How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maroney, alongside my compadres, McLean Boyd, Jay Woodson. How are you, gents? I'm wonderful. We're, it's on a Monday night. It's, it's uh, we're actually doing this on a Monday guard. night. It is awkward. Off guard. Yeah, we had a Monday finish today. And this on a Monday night, so it's kind of like live instant reaction. Let's go. That's right. Um. You guys have a good weekend? Yeah. McLean, you okay? I saw you just put like a long sleeve shirt on or something. Yeah, it's a long sleeve fishing shirt. Very, very light, airy. But it is dipping down into uh, the high 60s tonight. So I'm I'm, I'm getting kind of chilly. Oh, sorry. (laughs) My condolences. Right now. Yeah, it was like 30 something. I had lessons Sunday morning. And the first lesson was like at 10 o'clock and the guy <laughs> texted me like at 9:45, and he was like, Hey, I just want to double check. you like, you don't have a below 40 policy where you cancel lessons to you. And I'm like, no, I was like, I mean, I'm down. You're the one swinging. And he was like, Oh, okay. I just didn't know if I could get a full refund. If it was below 40 degrees. <laughs> I don't have one of those policies at all. Actually. <laughs> actually. No, I'm let's go. Um, but yeah, it was it was brutal up here. It was cold and windy, but it, it warmed up a little bit in the afternoon. But yeah. nothing like nothing like the sunshine state. Mm-hmm. It was it. There was zero sunshine this weekend. Zero sunshine. Oh really? Yeah, it was God, like the story keeps of, getting worse. High of seventy two, gray skies. Um, I take it that. Rained all Saturday. Uh, it was it rained Sunday morning. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a normal South Florida weekend, but what sucks because it's like the last three weekends in a row during the week, 82 full sun, just absolute perfect weather. Friday night, cold front comes through (laughs) Monday morning, 82, right back to it, (laughs) right back to it. Uh, It's wild. Um, well, what are you boys drinking? Jay, I see you tipping back something there. I think he's up. I think he's up. So uh I'm going with um I've been I've been uh sticking to this 1792 small batch. Not like a you know, not a super high end bourbon, but it's yeah. it's readily solid. available and it's good. It's cheap. I mean it's awesome. Just solid. So, solid. Yeah. McLean? We're we're gonna waste this segment. Kind of, yeah. I I did start with uh some red wine tonight, but oh, I okay. I've, I've moved on to CLs. Nice. And that's Corona light for the listeners. If you haven't tuned in in the last year and a half, um, not <laughs> Coors light, no fruit, Corona light, no fruit. There you go. And I'm, I'm not drinking again. You're doing it, huh? You're doing this thing. Kind of sort of. Um, <laughs> so you made, did have some drinks on the weekend, made a slight amendment. I'm going to go one day a week, one night a week. I'm going to drink. That's fair. And my, you know, the reason who, the reason I, I, I gave in the first time we had people over the house on Friday night, I didn't drink. Oh, really? And then my wife peer pressured me in on Saturday night because <laughs> she she's wanted like, to have, you know, a couple of glasses of wine with dinner. And she said, well, I can't drink alone. You got to drink. Oh, you can drink once a night. And I'll, I'm like, just let the record show. My wife is the one talking me out of an, an uh, well, a healthy really behavior happened? into an unhealthy behavior. What really happens is you was like, you weren't any fucking fun last night. <laughs> so we had people over the whole nine. 
we're going to need you to bend the rules a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to right now, I'm going to stick to the once a week. Um, so I'm not drinking tonight. I think uh, most but people I, would benefit from just one one night a week. Yeah. I have a massive dilemma coming up, though, because we're going to a concert Friday night and then the Super Bowl Sunday. So it's like, I got to pick which yeah. one. So what's funny is that when does the week start? Is this a Sunday through Saturday week or is this a Monday through Sunday week? I, for some reason in my head, I'm going Monday through Sunday because that's how we do our scheduling at the foundry is Monday through Sunday. So that's how I've always looked at the week. But I guess I could technically finagle that if I really wanted to play with that. Yeah. But that would mean I would then have like a really long. We've already seen the first concession, Jay. This has no chance. He made his first concession <laughs> the very first week. He's going to drink All twice, day, from here. twice this week minimal. We're going to talk next week. Like, podcast, you know what, Tuesday guys? Night. I drink I drink every yeah. day. Every he'll day last the, week. I had some. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll be on the podcast Tuesday night. He's like, I'm I'm three nights a week, boys. Three nights a week. We're, we're making this do. We're making <laughs> and by the end, of the end of the month, I'll have one of those beer helmets on while I'm doing yeah, the pod. 100%. Just to... <laughs> Except for you'll have high noons in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see how this goes. But I did already somewhat fold slightly. So let's uh let's get into a little G, huh? Everybody wants to talk about the sandbagging Aaron Rodgers winning the Pebble Beach Pro Am, right? There's most likely only one of us that really wants to talk about it, but let's get into it. <laughs> what a fucking sandbagger. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> You know, I tell you what, though, the, you know, what's funny about that is <laughs> Ben Silverman, Ben Silverman won the Bahamas, uh, the Corn, Corn Fairy Tour. Tour. Yeah. The week prior. And then comes and now gets paired up with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't know. Did they I don't know if they played together last year in this. I don't it's think so. No, it sounded like I listened to the interview. It sounded like they had just met this week because Silverman got a sponsor's exemption. And I mean, and I. Well, that's so bizarre that they pair, they wouldn't pair Aaron, Aaron Rodgers with one of the Aaron Rodgers guys. up with with a guy who's not even on the PGA Tour. But on top of that, you know, Ben, while they were doing this the award ceremony, or they were interviewing, getting interviewed by the Golf Channel, like they're talking to Aaron Rodgers and, and Ben Silverman standing there with the the top of the trophy, like the little top of the trophy, just standing there and yeah, not saying a word. Didn't and say a word. Finished the conversation. Hey, congratulations, guys. And he's like, you know, thanks, Todd. And it's like, wait, well, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Aaron. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I actually play, used to play quite a bit of golf with uh with Ben when he first you know started Canadian Canadian guy. And uh I mean one of the nicest guys that you'd ever meet. Um, but he was the slowest player that I've ever played with ever. Mm, wow. And we would get done playing. I mean, we would be have like a, you know, McLean, you, you've played with these guys that like, they're, they're not doing it on purpose. And they, usually the super Overly slow guys are the, are the nice guys, the really nice guys. And you feel really so nice bad about like, yeah. about making, bringing it up. But we, we were playing, I, I think we were in, I think we were in Atlanta. And we played together and it was, we were like three holes behind. It was just like, it was like, come on, come on, man, let's go. We got to do this. And he just couldn't pull the trigger and we get, we get done and we were sitting and eating lunch together. I'm like, all right, man, let's just let's talk about this thing. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, let's get this, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. What are we going to do to get you play faster? Like you've got to figure out how to do it. You know, and I don't, 
I don't know what it what clicked for him eventually, but I remember that day we talked for like 45 minutes at lunch. Like, you know, what if you did this? What if you did this? When when it's your turn to hit, you already got to know your yard. Like, I feel like I'm coaching him along this whole process. Well, it, it's um, one of those things where, you know, until you get comfortable doing it and someone has to force you into that spot to where you just have to get up there and swing and you realize, oh, you actually play pretty similar. Then you find a happy medium in between. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I've taken out to play golf. And a buddy of mine, one of my really good buddies, he will remain nameless for this story. But I had to literally <laughs> tell him, like, dude, one practice swing, one, yeah, one limited one practice swing. Just get up there and rip it. You just have to get up there and rip it. The more you think about it, the more opportunity you're giving yourself for this to go screw up. <laughs> and it, like I, I literally had to coach him through getting him to that next step. Uh, yeah, like, dude, just get up, stand behind the ball, pick your shot, be decisive, pick a target. Step up to it. One practice swing. Put the club behind the ball. Pull the fucking trigger and go, and go. Well, that doesn't yeah. matter at, at Pebble Beach Pro Am because those those rounds are like well, six hour rounds. Yeah, you're right, and that's that could could be something. And I haven't, obviously haven't played with him in ten years, but um, you know, I, it, he obviously figured it out because he's he's been back and forth on on the big tour, Corn Ferry. So I mean, he was a good player too. I'm not I'm not disputing that, but it was just. Uh, it was just funny how, you know, you have those moments with some of these guys and, and, you know, here they are on the big stage. You're like, I remember when us sitting talking about how slow you were playing and how you couldn't even make it through, you know, mini tour round without, you know, somebody cussing at you from the ferry behind you. Um, but he, like I said, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's obviously got it, got to figure it out. And again, I, I don't have a problem saying that. Cause if, if, if Ben were somehow listening to this podcast, he would know exactly what moment I'm talking about. And he would probably laugh because, we did have we we sat around and talked about it for like forty five minutes and and like I said he he obviously figured it out because he's obviously in in good shape right now coming off of a win and uh, win in the Bahamas. Well, well especially he might be- in the minis in the minis. Sorry, Mike, but in the minis when there's no cameras or anything around, the pros are somewhat ruthless on shit like that. Oh Absolutely yeah, ruthless. I remember getting yelled at on another par three, and it wasn't because of me, but it was in my group because the flag was getting put in inappropriately. Like it wasn't getting put in correctly. And I didn't put the flag in, but literally had a guy yell at us, come to find out the guy was like nine under on the day and ends up shooting 21 under over three rounds to win. And I'm sitting there going, what are you yelling at? You're on fire. Take the pin out, make the putt, move the fuck on. He was trying to hold it from the fairway. He was yeah. like, keep, keep putting yeah. the flag in right, dude. Yeah, I shot this. six under and missed the cut. You, who was this that shot 20, 20 some under three rounds? Well, I don't, I mean, I just said that he called us out. I'm not trying to like blast the guy. Okay. Well, you, you can tell us later. Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're ruthless. Cause it, yeah, again, there's no one there. It's like, it's cutthroat. Like we're, you are literally playing for your livelihood on the mini tours. I mean, I, I would even compare that kind of to, you know, the, the corn fairy tour. I mean, there's not a whole yeah. lot of money there, but I mean, you're like, whatever I have to do to make this cut and to make sure I make a check, I'm making a cut sometimes in those, those tournaments are, were, were, and I wouldn't say harder, but equally as hard as, you know, trying to win a tournament down the stretch, you know, like, cause at that point you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down the stretch. I want to win, but if I don't win, I'm still gonna make a good check, but you're coming down after you know the 34th, 35th, 36th hole of a of a of a of a tournament trying to make the cut and you're right on the number. I mean, that's you see some emotions flaring guys oh, yeah. slamming clubs and you see it all. Been there, done that. 
Well, your boy Ben Silverman can't be that good at golf because Aaron Rodgers cut him 27 shots over three rounds. Did he really? Ben Silverman shot plus one, missed a cut for three rounds. Him and Aaron Rodgers has how many? What do you have? 10? 10 was he? He was getting 10 pops. They shot 26 under par. Won the thing. And Aaron Rodgers, like, actual index is like a three. Sandbagging motherfucker. Uh, at least he got to hold the trophy because he doesn't know what it's like to do that in the NFL. He did say that in that interview. He was like, I haven't I held one of these in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you won't because all you care about is MVPs. Dumb <laughs> shit. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Aaron Rodgers. That's my little rant on him. We're here to talk about Mr. Justin Rose. Jay picked him in his DraftKings this week, which is pretty much the reason he won DraftKings over me this week. I was like, I, I was watching the final round. I'm like, as long as anyone... But Justin Rose wins. I should win the DraftKings, and Justin Rose won, so I lost. Well, you just got to know who the winners are going to be. I know. Um, I, I I even called you out last week and said that was a good pick when you made it. I I almost picked him, but Justin Rose playing well. He's, he's playing, playing well. well. The last you know six months or so, he's starting to play a lot better. His first win since 2019, which I didn't realize he was number one in the world in 2019. For some reason, in yep. my head, when you would have asked me. I, well, I, I knew ago. he was number one. I would have thought I would have. I would have told you 2015, not 2019. And that was right when he. I think he switched that year, and I think he still held held on to that number one status for a while until that that club switch really really got to him. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like he's he's got the he's got the club stuff figured out. But the the one thing that was kind of unique to me is I know with him and his coach, uh, what's Blackburn? Is that his, is Blackburn. That his last name? Yeah, Graystone, um, they, in, uh, Birmingham. Yeah, they're really coach. They're really focusing on um, for for him, and then this is opposite of what what he's working on with with Homa. Homa makes more of a very uh, very good backswing. Both of them do, but Homa uh, Homa likes to hit more of a, a straight ball with a little fade, and they're trying to get Rose to get back to hitting more of this push draw because I think he had gotten in a habit with Foley where he was really clear and too hard left and really swinging that handle too low and left and kind of wiping across it. So he is, he's really focused on more of a, a real centered pivot and leaning into that left side and feeling as though that club is, uh, is, is coming in a little bit shallower. And I mean, his iron player looked incredible. And I, Good. Yeah, it looks. I mean, he's always been a great iron player. I mean, other than the last you know couple of years when things have been a little off, but I mean, for, historically speaking, for his career, he's always been an incredible ball striker, average to below average putter. We've all heard of his struggles, and now he's back to using a conventional grip um, and, and putting. Obviously, putting pretty good. I mean, for a while he went well, with it, the claw, the flat cat. I mean, he may well, still he, may he have really that had that pencil grip. grip going, and that was where I was going to go, Jay. You know, he did, he did recently make that change and he had a lot of great punting events with that pencil grip. I was actually surprised to see him get away from it. You know, he uses that really offset putter. Um, yeah. I was actually surprised to see him get away from it. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for his benefit that this win allows him to boost and gain some confidence off of putting with a conventional grip because it is a big change from what he's done previously. But I think, especially when you look at your long distance putting, you're going to be much better and much more consistent with a uh, conventional grip than you are going to be with a pencil grip. And man, did he putt well 
I don't know if you saw today's coverage being a Monday. It was a little harder for people to watch this morning. But, I mean, he made like three putts outside of 20 feet today on the back nine to, to, to finish it off this morning. Yeah. Which is not a normal. It's not a normal thing for him to. No, not at all. For him to do. He's he was not he, filling it up. But, you know, and that's historic. Like I said, historically, he's always been a great ball striker, a great driver of the golf ball, very long, but very straight and a great, great iron player, great long iron player. All the things that we've talked about, what makes you, what takes you to number one status in the world. He did all those. You just have to be an okay to average putter, not terrible putter. And then you, you've got a chance. And, but now he's starting to couple uh, the, some better iron player with iron play with some some decent you know putting stats as well hell last year his best stat was strokes gained putting he was 20th uh, yeah he's been putting much the last better. couple of years now putting much better he was 36 the year before that he's currently 25th um so yeah i mean that's that's huge for his psyche and he's currently uh, 25th you said yep and putting and that's that's great. I mean, if if he keeps putting like that, then that and he keeps swinging the swinging the club the way he's swinging it, that's that's that'll be tough for a lot of people. He'll he'll definitely, you know, implant himself as one of the one of the top players again. He's getting up there. I mean, he's he's a I think he's a year or two older than me. Um, so he's 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 getting up there in age. I mean, 42, 40, 43 years old. He's forty two. 42 years old. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got, honestly, he's got a couple years left to really make a charge and that's it. So I've never been a Justin Rose fan. Um, I've never rooted against him. He's just been one of those guys that's just been kind of there for me over the years. Um, never really inspired me in any form or fashion to root for him. Seems a little bit, um, he gives the elitist, the elitist, Yeah, maybe a little bit more, a little bit more uptight than some of the other Europeans, you know, of of those Ryder Cups that he played with. Some of those guys seem to have, you know, be a little bit more laid back, easier going. Um, But and this is an original take because I've heard a bunch of people say this in the last couple of days about him. He would have been a prime live guy. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not trying to say it as as a as a slight. I'm just saying like. All his yes, European, yes, all of are. his European buddies went. Yeah, Westwood, Holter, GMAC, Stenson, Sergio, all these guys went. They're all roughly the same age. He has had a a downward tick in his game since 2019. Yeah. It would be really easy for him to sign the big paycheck and ride off into the sunset, like a couple of other guys yeah. are doing. Um, good point. It's a good point. Obviously, a good. I mean, it's. We look at it in the the opposite or the in the contrary view. There, he's like, "Hey, all of these guys have gone. Now I can be that that one guy that still is, you know, adding to my, you know, you know. We've used that word legacy before, if it's important to you. But he's adding to these career stats on the PJ Tour, um, where he's not competing against any of these other guys. Like I still can play in a couple Ryder Cups. I still well, can. He's he's put himself as the the. Probably the next one to get a captaincy now captaincy, those other guys yeah. are gone. For sure. Yeah, without yeah. question. No, with, without And that question. could be something that he's thinking about. You know, he, you just don't you, you don't know what's important to certain people. And I will say that he's probably he's probably made as much, if not more, money than most of those guys 
uh, in terms of marketing dollars. I mean, he's in, he's been on a lot of different commercials over the last, you know, five to seven years. Whereas a lot of those other guys, maybe not as much. Well, so Justin I, Rose he, is very clean. He's he clean. Very clean. Yeah, he's, he's always he's, been clean. You know, he's someone who can, who can always represent a brand well, especially with class. And it yeah. doesn't surprise me why he didn't jump to live because of his personality and what we've seen so far. Um, the guy to me has always had, a, if you look at his swing in fragments, it's in almost every perfect position. But if you look yeah. at it at speed, it's always looked a little mechanical to me. It just always. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, but he, he puts, he puts himself in a lot of opportunities to win. Uh, especially over the course of his career. This was his 11th win, which is an incredible PGA Tour career. Um, yeah. You know, time will tell what we see kind of moving forward from him this year. I mean, does he get does he get one or two more? I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely think he at gets 42, he definitely can he easily yeah. can. Yeah, I think he absolutely gets one or two more. I think he's that good. I, I get it another, would surprise me if he won another major this year, a major. Major, I don't think so. Tougher test. I think he has the opportunity certainly to win a British Open um, or a U.S. Open. He could win a U.S. Open. I see it more likely to win a British, especially when St. Andrews is the site. Uh, so when that yeah. comes around in the rotation, I think Justin Rose is going to be a favorite. He still has enough speed at, at 42 to get it done. Um, and then when you play a shorter course like St. Andrews, where you don't need quite as much speed to be competitive. I think as he ages, he's going to be still very competitive at that at that site. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, so, again, you know, we, we we he hasn't done a whole lot, obviously, in the last couple of years. So if if this is, um, you know, like a premonition of what's to come, and he starts hitting the ball this way, coupling the the the, the improvement in putting over the last three years. Then yeah, he's I mean he's a big, big tall guy. He he can hit it high, he can hit it whatever shot he wants. Um great again, great iron player. He doesn't hit it as far as he used to, but he never really he never really bombed it past most he of the never guys. He always hit it, he always hit it plenty far enough to keep Correct. himself right in the mix. And he was a better iron player than most. So it's like, hey, I'm Correct. I can I'll hit an eight iron when you hit, you're trying to smash a nine iron. That's a, that's close enough for me where I can I can hit my eight iron closer than your nine iron. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So are are we good with Justin or sorry, are we good with uh yeah, Justin Rose? Because I've got another take that I want to mention about the guy that finished second. Sure. Brendan Todd. So I grew up playing junior golf with this guy. Him and Webb Simpson absolutely dominated the Carolinas um throughout my junior career. But and that's why I get so excited anytime I see him up near the the leaderboard and or up on top of the leaderboard anywhere in contention. And this week was no different. But I just pulled up his stats. And for someone that kind of flies under the radar, he has one incredible stat sheet. So I'm going to run through some of these real quick. We know that, you know, his his big negative is the distance. He doesn't hit the ball very far. You know, strokes gained off the tee, he's 147th. And in driving distance, he's 203rd. However, let me just run this table real quick for you. Strokes gained total, 15. Strokes gained tee to green. 51 strokes gain approach to green 49 strokes gain around the green 19th strokes gain putting 20th uh driving accuracy eighth left runs left rough now we'll leave that one out we don't need to get that this is this what's the driving distance uh 281 <laughs> 203 
Uh, <laughs> proximity to the hole, he's 11th. Scrambling, 22nd. Sand save, 25th. Scrambling from the rough, he's 4th. Putting average, 10th. Putts per round, 6th. Three-putt avoidance, 20th. One-putt percentage, 11th. Putting inside of 10 feet, 41%. Scoring average, 27. Um, and they keep going. I mean, par four, par five. He's all. Here's what's crazy about it. For a guy that's that short, he's 25th in par five scoring. He's 33rd mm. in par four scoring and 60th in par three scoring. 21st in birdie average. Boys, that those are some those are some top notch stats. Especially when you look at all of the uh, from proximity to putting to scrambling. I mean, it's easy to see why he was in contention this week, but. He's someone who kind of falls a little bit underneath that radar and um, someone I yeah. think could be poised to make a little bit of a run. Yeah, when he plays, when he catches the right the right golf course, he's yeah, always course. in the mix. Like, this is a perfect golf course. It was, it's, it's shorter it's shorter than, than most of the golf courses, and you have to rely a little bit more on the short game if you do um you know miss some greens and you actually have some some more wedges than most most courses and that's that's his strong suit um i watched him hit a bunker shot yesterday when i was watching or last night when i was watching the coverage and you can just tell right away when somebody is when they've got it and then i watched victor hovland hit a bunker shot i'm like "Mm." and then you can see somebody who's you can tell that they struggle um you know just the sound you can even hear it uh you know uh, through the through the TV when when Brendan Todd hit a hit a bunker shot that thump that you get when you made when you really let that club head pass the hands a little bit and thump the sand and then you see somebody again like Victor Hovland who's such a you know a D lofter or a digger they just really struggle with with bunker play um but yeah Brendan Todd incredible short game as you you just you know listed off that rap sheet of, of, his, he, of his short game stats. And he's another one in the long line of tall, pasty, white, nondescript Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, him and Chris Kirk are titting Him, Chris Kirk, Hudson Swafford, Harris English. I think they're all the same person. Has anyone <laughs> seen all four of them in the same place at one time? They're all well paid. Watson went to Georgia too for a little while. All, yeah, I think all four of them, didn't they? They're all yeah. well paid. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And then, you, and then you've got Kevin Kisner and uh, Russell Henley that are, yeah, Brian Harmon, the little bull. Brian Harmon, the, the little guys. Yeah, I mean, they, the Georgia Georgia has spit out some studs so in the last a lot of 15, them. 20 years. Oh, some studs. I don't get why Chris Kirk and their scores. They just they all know how to get it done. Yeah. yeah. They don't win that much. When was last time they won a national championship? I feel like they don't win on. That's true. I'm not sure when they won. They won probably last. since probably since those boys were playing. Yeah, well, then they were playing. Yeah, but yeah, both both Todd and Chris Kirk. They're both six three, at least listed as six three, and yeah. they hit it nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> Their swings are very, <laughs> we'll say dainty. <laughs> They're a fi- not efficient. <laughs> They're um, they're repeatable. There you go. There you go. Very good. They don't miss a lot of fairways, especially be Todd at fucking uh, number eight in driving accuracy on the PJ Tour. Can can we talk about somebody else that was in contention in his golf game? Peter yeah. Malnati. Jay, I think of you every time I see him near the. So do I. I like immediately. I almost text you. I'm like, dude, how much does this piss you off? 
he has a terrible golf swing. It's not good. You know, it it doesn't piss me off. And here we're we're talking about another another player, but um, I, he is. I, I, there's a lot of things that that I want to point out about Peter Malnati. Um, in which one is the funny funny part at the the start of that uh, round four? He obviously blasted that ball right, hits a great shot, makes birdie on the first hole. When he thought he was going to make a double, pars the yeah. The, he had a provisional the, ball off the first tee, I think, because he thought it was yeah. OB. Yeah, a uh, pars number two, which is a short par five, and then birdies the third hole. So he's two under through three, and I'm not sure which commentator it was. One of the commentators says, wow, he's two under par, and he has not hit a solid golf shot yet. I mean, and I want to go back. I wanted to record it, and I was like, and, and that is that is a compliment in a, in, a, in a roundabout way to Peter because he, he does. He's, I always said that about him. I was like, he didn't. He wasn't a player that's going to go out there and wow you. He didn't flush, you know, iron shots. But the thing that he does that is better than anyone is he's got one of the most positive outlooks and attitudes on golf. Um, almost to a point where it's like it's a it's a little annoying to some people. Like, what you can't be that positive, you know? You can't, you know, can't, can't think that way all the time. You know, you got to come back to reality a little Especially bit. On this that's game. Not, but that's not the way, and that's 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 why he's still out there because he still thinks. You know, he even said, like they asked him, like, "So, what are your expectations tomorrow?" He's like, "Well, I play every tournament to win. Like, I, I'm expecting to win every tournament that I play in." And I'm like, "You've only won one tournament, one. <laughs> You've only won one tournament." But that's that's the mindset that he has, and I mean that part. That's partly why he, he's been so successful because he just keeps believing that he can do it. It doesn't matter regardless of any limitations. I mean, because he does have plenty. He doesn't hit nearly as far as everybody else. He's not an incredible ball striker. I will say he does have a really good short game. He's a very good putter. Um, but his strongest attribute, in my opinion, is this almost um, you know th- this this. He's overly positive to to a, I don't say to a fault because it's not a fault to him, but it's a, a fault to everyone else. But he just thinks he can do it. Well, and he's not like overly confident where he's cocky about his game. He's still self aware because in that interview last night, Sunday night with Todd Lewis, you know they're on the tenth fairway when the whistle gets blown, and Todd Lewis talks to him in the dark, and he's like, you know, so you only get about nine holes left. You're a couple back of Justin now. Does it really change your strategy? Do you feel like you got to push? And he's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm never in this, I'm never in this position. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you're and you're right. Like, I, I think, but he he's just got such a jovial kind of view of it. He's just so happy to be there. He's like, he just believes that, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on my game and do what I can do the very best that I can. And he it's like the perfect example of like the perfect golf, golf brain in a sense, like. I'm just focusing on this shot in front of me and I'm going to have fun like with every single shot that I hit and I'm not going to get too, too, you know, bent out of shape about it. I mean, cause he didn't hit, he had a couple really, you know, squirrely shots. Um, but you know, like I said, he, he's, he's just so positive. Uh, positive is the word. I wouldn't say overly confident, but positive is the word. Like, Hey, yeah, yeah I, I just had a bad shot. Yeah. Everyone knows it's bad, but whatever, that's me. I'm comfortable. Don't he's work. comfortable I'm gonna in his own skin. Down. I'm yeah. going to get this up and down. I'm not that stressed yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm going to make par and try to squeak out a couple birdies on the way in. It's it's the ultimate swing your swing, play your game, don't worry about yes. anyone else kind of 100%. Case. And he's and he's he's maximized that to the fullest in my opinion, which, you know, kudos to him because there's so many guys 
that are super uber talented that are sitting on their couch right now, you know, doing whatever, watching Peter play his game, you know, doing a, doing a podcast. <laughs> doing a podcast. Yeah, right. yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, I mean, man. I don't know. It's fun. I like watching him. You know, he's, I like watching him play. He's kind of, kind of funny personality. So, I mean, I was pulling for him. I mean, I didn't want him to beat uh, Justin Rose, but uh, I did want him to play well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I, I guess I enjoyed the tournament as a whole, even though there weren't any really big names. Uh, and the big names that were in the field all played like crap. I mean, Hovland was there for a little bit, but then he started to gag it yesterday. Um, but Fitzpatrick missed the cut. Spieth barely made the cut. Yeah. You know, um, I, mean, I guess I'm just Surprising. a golf sicko, and I know these guys more than most. You know, I know these guys' stories more than most of our listeners do. And so, like, Keith Mitchell is a guy I always root for. I don't know. I just like Keith's whole thing. He just seems like a good dude and mashes the ball. Joe Bramlett was up it. there. He mashes the ball. They were even talking on TV. They're like, how often does Keith Mitchell play in a group where he's not hitting last? And they're like, he hasn't hit last at all into these greens. I don't know. It was Ian Baker Fincher. I forget who it was that said it. Yeah, they were talking about Joe. I mean, and, and Joe obviously has been on the pod with us and went through his – uh, you know, and that was through a recommendation of his coach, a good friend, good friend of ours, John Scott Rattan. You know, I was talking to John Scott, and I was like, Hey, I'm gonna got Joe coming on the pod. And he's like, You know, anything that you think we should ask him, that'd be cool. And he's like, Ask him to go through <laughs> all of his clubs and tell you his distances. And I'm like, Okay. And, and it's, it's not just, I mean, everyone knows this. Like they were talking, they were commenting on it when I think, I can't remember which par three it was. But Joe hit a sand wedge from 142 over the green, and 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 Colt Nose even commented like, "Hey, just so you know, Joe's stock lob wedge goes 125. Like, whose stock <laughs> lob wedge goes 125? Like, that's like that's not a thing. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, but in in and everyone on tour knows it. Like, he is the longest iron player." On tour, it's not even close. Like, well, yeah, because they even said on, I think that was five that you were talking about. And then on six, yeah. he'd only hit it past Mitchell by a couple of yards, five, six yards. And Mitchell hit like a five wood on six. And Joe had a five iron. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, he's only six yards closer, but got five iron. And, and I was nuts. like, well, then I texted you, Jay. I saw him hit, I think it was a third tee box. He hit three wood. He hit 181 ball speed with the three wood. That's, That's insane. That's insane. Uh, it's like, holy hell. So, I mean, there's guys on tour that would die to have 181 with their driver. That would be their best drive ever. Oh, yeah. And he's doing it with his three wood. You three know what's wood. funny, though, about three woods? And, and McLean, you may be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no there's no limit on the thinness of the face of a three wood if i'm if i'm at least it, it was that way in the past like the, the cor could under be the same regulations of a driver that is correct so you could get a hot three wood and no one would really ever say anything and you, most, i mean this thing could be of bouncing all the tour off the three woods are hot most of all yeah. because they go through a additional level of qc prior to being separated from the stock that will end up being inventory for a company yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know. I just remember hearing that because I've, I've seen that a couple of times with, with some other buddies. It's like, dude, you, your three wood almost goes the same distance as your driver. And it doesn't make any sense, but you know, if you get it, catch the right three wood, it may yeah, not you last get, you as get long. like a 13 and a half degree and just yeah, smash hammer. it. 
You know the reason I like Keith Mitchell, and I actually have the uh, the replay of coverage on here in front of me. He can really rock that tour visor, which he is is like kind that. of a lost art these days. And he's a I Georgia have, boy. I have never been able to wear one of those tour visors. I've always wanted to, but my yeah, head is just so that. tiny. He, I don't know. He makes it look good. I'll just say that it's all about <laughs> shape because I've got a big dome, and I I still very I have a very tough time rocking one you you've i've seen you rock one a couple times it's not bad but it's not i'm not even comfortable in it like put it that (laughs) way like i don't put it on like yeah that's it i got it today just a little unsure yourself yeah no like i'm gonna not not one point in the mirror when i put on the tour advisor was like oh yeah that's it (laughs) like not having it i've never i've never once worn a tour advisor like in the in the like 20 years ago the Titleist used to give you like it wasn't like the big it was like a baseball cap brim so it was a very similar brim to like a regular hat but it just it was a visor but it was a smaller it was like a not sport big, visor yeah yeah not the big visor. tour visor yeah. I've never been I used to rock to a few sport visors in my day but I could never pull off the yeah. tour visor well no. and at this point unfortunately my hairline doesn't allow for me to really rock rock one without a solid level of sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember oh. one day i wore one and i was like fuck i didn't know i got burned up here this is bullshit um yeah so did you guys catch um i think it was sunday i guess it was the final round he was on the third hole so it was late sunday night they did the whole mic'd up interview airpod in his ear with keith mitchell that they did with max home with the week before it's my new like favorite feature on tour. Hopefully they keep doing it. Keith said, yeah, I was happy to do it when they asked me. No big deal. And and Keith's a pretty laid a back pretty, dude. Pretty laid back, personable guy. And he was happy. It was a little hard to hear because the wind was just howling so much. But he talked a lot about them. Um, you know, Trevor Immelman, who I think has been fantastic, by the way, on the coverage, way better than Nick Faldo. Yeah, he's asked some good questions to these guys to, you know, kind of get them to actually answer some pretty poignant, direct questions so they can't just say, you know, just give a no, a non-answer kind of answer. And he was just talking about how they've had the track man out every day that they've been on the range measuring, you know, with the wind, with the cold temperatures, with the moisture. He said even with, you know, how having extra layers on affects his distance. So they know how to dial things in. And it was it was pretty interesting to hear. And then uh, the cool part was, you know, you hear the whole conversation with him and his caddy, John Lamonte, and then he's over it. And and Keith has a tendency to kind of waggle a lot. He's over it, waggling, look, waggle, look, waggle, look, waggle, look. And then all of a sudden, John's like, well, nope. And he backs him off of it. And I thought that was – and then they, they reassess. He goes, oh, wind changed. We're now downwind. So they didn't change club, but they kind of changed the shot that he was trying to hit. He took a little off of it and hits it to like eight feet. And yeah, I just thought it was just a, a cool interaction that, you know, you don't get to see a whole bunch, you know, and then have yeah, them I, I, too. I, I love the, I love the, I, I don't know how I missed that. Cause I watched almost every, I watched the whole thing. I don't know. I, I must've just missed the, that interview with, with Keith. Um, but yeah, I, I love that idea of of in the in course. Like I said, there's no other sport that really can give you that. Um, and then the, the the I always love the caddy player interaction. Like to to really, 
I think people want to hear like, what are they talking about? You know, what, what, what do you, what process are you going through to get ready to hit this shot? Now, as a, you know, as, as past players, we kind of have a little bit better idea, but say you got a, you know, an, a, a player at the club that's never really had a, they have caddies at their club, but they never played in a high pressure tournament like that. Like, what are they talking about? I know what I'm talking about with my caddy at the club, but you know, what are these guys doing? And it's kind of neat to just to hear. Well, um, and to and to kind of take it to the to the club golfer, you can, you know, you hear him talk about all these different variables of what's gonna why he's gonna hit the ball shorter this week at Pebble. You know, mm-hmm. the thick air, the wind, the cold, the moisture, the extra layers. And I, I've given a couple playing lessons over the years where guy amateurs do not have any idea how to factor in those things. They just take the range finder, shoot it. And they think 152 is 152 and they know how to, Oh, a couple of you, you know, a little bit of wind, maybe a little bit of uphill downhill, but they don't factor in lie. They don't factor in how cold it is. They don't factor in their swing, their layers. There's so many different things that go yeah. into what is a 152 yard shot that I think the, the amateurs ultimate, just struggle with. The ultimate thought to that, Mike, is what does the ball do when it lands? The conditions change without question. And what that ball does when it lands changes with conditions. It may be due to the fact that it's really cold and you're having to hit more club that's going to release more because you have more layers on and you're not able to swing 100%. It could be something where there's a bunker in play. And you have to find a different angle to try and approach it based off of where your ball is going to land. And that, yeah. that to me, is probably the synopsis of the entire uh, situation. Is If they even you, get to that point, though. I mean, you're well, right. You're 100% they, yeah. right. But some of these guys don't even get to the point where even thinking that no. far because they don't even they don't even factor in. They, they, they're like, oh, 150, that's 7-iron. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a 7-iron on the coast with, with two layers of clothes on and 20 degrees below. So you're 20 degrees below uh, 70. That's seven yards. It's that you have to play every three yards below 70 degrees is one yard that you need to take off. And, and you know, like you said, not the fog, the Marine layer, the 20 degrees below, you got two layers on, you know, all these things, they don't now, hell, it's a, it's a damn five iron for you from 150. You know, it's not, yeah, a they always iron. come up short. They never it, played it, enough. Exactly. Well, and that's where, to your point, McLean, that's where it, that's where it changes. Now, now, you know, what club you have to hit to even get the ball to the hole, but now you're changing that, that descent angle and how that ball lands and hits the green. And you may have to aim to a different spot. You can't aim at the pin anymore. You got to aim to the, you know, you know, middle of the green because of that. That's exactly right. And I think they don't, I don't think they go through that process to even get to that point, which is hell if if more players did that, You'd probably see a lot, a lot, a lot more players score better in bad conditions if they were at least go through that process like like Mitchell and Lamani did. You know, that's, I mean, that's obviously there's a reason he finished in the top five this week. <laughs> you know, and John Lamani, I mean, John Lamani is one of the best caddies on tour. Caddy for Adam Scott for a number of years. I played a bunch of golf with him back in the day. Just a, he's a very uh, clean professional caddy. He was a great player. He's very disciplined, would work out, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't really do anything with his golf game because he had other things going on, but a great player, great golf swing, hit it a mile, but just, just a true professional. And like, I honestly think if he's, he's, he's a bag away from, you know, being like a, a, 
you know, a well-known top caddy being on a bag for somebody winning a major. And then was like, Oh God, who's this guy? Like he knows what he's doing. Um, he's, he's right on the edge of doing that. And it may be Keith Mitchell. I mean, geez, Keith Mitchell's talented as anybody, you know, it wouldn't surprise anyone to see him start to break through. Mm-hmm. He's been out there long enough. He's been in contention enough times. He's a, he's a known entity. And I think it wouldn't surprise anyone to see him start to break through a little bit more frequently. Um, speaking of, and I think we may have talked about this, but you know, back to Lamani, John Lamani was caddying for, was it Birdie Kim when she missed that like one footer on the last hole that was it the I don't know if it was the Kraft Nabisco or the U.S. I don't think it was the U.S. US, Open. Maybe it was a U.S. Open. But he had been caddying for and and she'd been playing great. They've been playing great golf. I don't know if it was maybe six weeks in a row. She missed that putt and he got fired. What? He's like, oh yeah. He said, and 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 that um make sure I don't say this the wrong way. There are certain players on tour that they're very superstitious when it comes. If they if they have a bad or a bad moment or an unlucky moment, and it's like like for instance, that situation, they will just totally wipe everybody from you know, caddies teachers coaches they'll just reset just like that and he was on the bad end of the stick there i mean he could have won a major well an lpga or women's major and it and it didn't work out that way and he was he was looking for a job you know it's just crazy how how fickle that that is and and you can do everything right and just for whatever reason you know the player just has a bad shot or doesn't perform and He's like, man, now I don't have a job. Like, that's a tough, that's a tough way to go about it. You know, you can do everything right. You're you're not in control of your your own destiny when you're a caddy. And that's the tough part. Like we we're saying, you can you can do everything right and give them all the right information, say all the right things. When it comes down to it, if if your player just doesn't hit the right shot or doesn't have it up here mentally, you know, you're just another caddy. I K Kim. I can't, but it, I thought felt like her nickname was Birdie Kim. No, no, uh, different. different. Birdie Kim, Birdie Kim was the one who won the 05 U.S. Open, holding out from the greenside bunker. Okay, remember there's a you're video. Right. Morgan Pressel was back in the fairway. Yes, yes, you're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, I K Kim, yeah, missed a like 18 inch putt at the mm. a, the A and A Inspiration, the old Dinah Shore. Gosh, that's it's yeah. it's heartbreaking to watch anybody. Miss those little putts at the end of a tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, he's been around the game for 15 years caddying and he's been a, he's been a, a top notch caddy. So, you know, I don't know. It could be a good combo. I don't, he hasn't been with, with Keith that long, but you know, Keith is a super talented guy and maybe that's, maybe that's what he's been missing. Just having that, that, that the right caddy on the bag to be able to call him off of a shot that takes, that takes a lot of trust. It takes some balls um, yeah. from the caddy takes, to do it. Yeah, the caddy's got to – you got to have to be on the same same page, you know. Now, granted, Keith, he stays he stays over the ball for quite a long time, so you have a lot of opportunity to call him off. But, um, I mean, he's he got a lot of waggles. I mean, there was a couple of times I was watching Yeah, it's him. a lot of looks. And, and, and it's like, actually – I've I started to pay attention to it over the years because I was like, man, this is, this is tough to watch. But there are some times it's better than others. Like, it's not yeah. like it's – like it was just a, a swing on here. He was hitting a driver. Um, it was only like three times, three waggles, three looks. But I've, I've seen him sometimes where it's like eight, nine, ten. It seems like long time. I long feel time. like anytime you go longer than three or four, it's it gets uncomfortable. Yeah, not like back when Sergio was doing that that waggle thing. You know, fifteen. You know, it was 
2002, you know, U.S. US Open, Open at Bethpage. At Bethpage, he was, they were really hounding that guy for all the waggles. And it was, right. it was, it's hard to watch. You're like, yeah, oh, right hit, it. So. hit the ball already, you know, but. God, you, you always know. find a way to sneak Sergio into a conversation. I mean, he's Sergio is one of the best. Is that good? You know, yeah. T to green, strokes gain. Sergio's got to be in the top five all times since they started keeping that stat in 2004. I, I'm sure we could pull it up. If he's not yeah. in the top four, he's in the top 10. I'm going to come up with a strokes gain douchebag stat. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> he's up there. He's top five on that, too. Mm-hmm. Him and his boy Sharky there. Fair. I think so, I think uh, it's a cultural a, a difference in culture. That's all it is. They just sure. express themselves differently they, than they came from maybe. a douchebag culture, and I guess I didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> you are from Massachusetts. I know we say what's on our mind instead of behind everyone's back. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anything else on Pebble? I wish it was a bigger tournament. I wish they got a, a bigger, better field. Hopefully, this becomes a a designated you, event. You don't want next to take year. away the history of what this event is to the PGA Tour at the same. It's time. such a fun event to I, watch. It's just a golf course in general. You know, I mean, I could I could yeah. take the AMs out of it. You know, but I, I'm with you on that. Except at the same time, there's some historical benefit to this event. Sure, it has so much history behind it. You know, it used to be the Bing Crosby clam bake back in the day. Mm-hmm. And while I, I totally get it. I wish that this course was, you know, made. I wish we had a bigger event on this. Yeah. Course. Bigger stage for this. You know, I mean, stage. It's- that's a good way of putting it. A bigger stage. I, I wish we were able to, to garner better players. I wish we were able to see just the players absolutely eat up one of the best pieces of property on planet earth. Um, I do think I would want to see it in us open conditions and watch the guys go out there and eat it up for, you know, four days and, and see the winning total end up somewhere between five and 10 under. Absolutely. I think it's a better event. I think it's a better golf event at that point, but it's hard to discredit. It's hard to take away the historical, um effect that this event does have. have yeah i get you there and, and it, it's like we're you can't take this from pebble you can't take this event for pebble the only way to really solve it is to have another event at pebble you know have a you know it, it is a major championship venue but could we have a players only event i mean my god can you imagine watching pebble during the playoffs you know let's have a Let's have a playoff event at Pebble. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah. I think it was Garrett Garrett Morrison with the Fried Egg, who they they put out some great stuff. And I think it was his idea. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. It was his idea. Like, imagine fans like the Tour Championship at Pebble. It's a better venue awesome. than East Lake is. Oh yeah, way better. Not even close. To see those guys come down the stretch, you know, um, seventeen, eighteen. I don't know. It's just yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool. It will be cool to watch the uh, the women. Uh, the U.S. Speaking of the U.S. Women's Open is there this year, so yeah. it'll be. I mean, cool. I would even say like if this be like you mentioned earlier, Mikey, if this becomes an elevated event, and then kind of like what waste management is this th- this week. You know, mm-hmm. we've got we've got you know ten more top twenty five players playing this week than we ever have. I mean, Rory's played in this tournament one time. Yeah, and, you know, there's a yeah, reason Phoenix- that he's. He doesn't come here. Getting better and better over the years. They've been getting a deeper and deeper field. 
it used to be awful 15 years ago. And now oh, Phoenix yeah. is, is people are embracing the whole craziness of it. And the yeah. golf course is a, is a really good tournament, you know, dramatic golf course. And you've got the Super Bowl in town this week. I, I, I hate to say it, but they're all sport. These, all these guys are sports fans. So, yeah. and they probably all have access. Like most of them, all these top tier players can probably get tickets to the Super Bowl. It's like, why would I not go play golf in Arizona in February and then go to the Super Bowl and then all the other festivities? I mean, there's going to be parties, like concerts, like there's so many things going on every single night, you know, that you can pick and choose what you want to do, but yeah. it's it's a pretty it's a pretty welcoming tournament with all the stuff going on. The other but yeah, I think I, I'm thinking I'm hoping Pebble's going to get a you know, designated event here. I think is what the PJ Tour is calling it now versus elevated event. You know, it sounds like they're going to rotate a few of them around. So hopefully they do get it and you can see the the Roms and the Rorys and JTs, you know, going at it. Um, I like how you slid that JT in there and that, just that, for you. that conversation. Just for you. So some other news, speaking about, you know, future events and, and next year's schedule, it sounds like next year's schedule is going to be drastically different. Seems to be a lot of rumors floating around that you will not recognize this schedule compared to what we've seen over the last dozen years. It's going to be very different. The one bummer that came out this week and I'm sorry, guys, I forgot to put this on the uh, agenda, but uh, the Dell match play will not happen next year. That's fine. I think the ratings have always been poor with that. It's just, ah, God, I liked it, though. I, we need to have some match play on the schedule somewhere. It, well, I think you get it in the you get it in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. I mean, it's just I, I, the, the viewership just it's not there. Like you just not a good I hate to maker. say it, but Ultimately, like the match play match play in golf is just not not there. Well, fuck you guys. I like it. Okay. I want match play. <laughs> for, uh, it's great to play. Um, I just think it's tough for people to sit down and like only have two matches on yeah, Saturday maybe it's the Sunday. Best, probably not the best viewing product, but I don't know. It's just weird that these, I know we have the President's Cup and Ryder Cup, but that's team match play. I, I just want to see these guys actually play some match play. Just a, a little bit of a different format than, you know, stroke play all the time. Yeah. But it sounds like, the PJ Tour that we need different format. I do, however, think we need a better one than what that has provided from a viewership standpoint, because there have been, as we know, which is the reason why we're not playing it anymore. We've had a lot of lackluster weekends. Well, that's event. not really why they're not playing it, but they're not playing it because of money. They they were having a hard time Bullshit. agreeing with the sponsor. They were having a hard time agreeing with um, Austin Country Club. They were putting up a stink. And then it sounds like um, Steve Crane there, the owner of the Houston Texans, who's now in charge of the Houston Open, is throwing a bunch of money at the Houston Open, and he's pissed. He doesn't want the Houston Open in the fall anymore. And so it sounds like the Houston Open is going to take the Dell match play spot next year and be in the normal rota, and, and Steve Crane throwing a whole bunch of money at it so it's coming down to money what is made without question be that what um what it is regardless it does all come down to money you're exactly right and the dell match play left a lot to be desired on the weekends when you had a lackluster um semifinal and ultimately that's what it comes down to if you guarantee you know jt playing rory every sunday 
this wouldn't this this wouldn't be a conversation that we're having. Yeah. No, I, I I get that, and I understand that it's not the best viewing product, and I understand you can get a dud of a final match or you know a couple of lesser guys, you know, sixty fifth best player in the world or whatever in the finals. But I don't know. I just liked it. It was just a little bit different, and I like watching match play because it takes a different style of mentality to, to play that. So, um, some other news. From around the world of golf, Augusta National officially came out with their yardage today for the 13th hole. 545 yards they have extended it to. Oh. Thoughts? Trevor's back in play. Have we talked about this yet? I know I had it on the agenda one time. I think we skipped it. Um, we, 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 we talked that there were some screenshot or some you know GPS shots that they were doing some work there, but I don't think we ever heard of the exact yardage. But yeah, so that's what it is. Five forty-five. I think it's good. I mean, I mean, I don't. Nobody wants to watch guys at three wood and try to bend it around the corner. To I mean, I, I like hit driver. Let's see him hit driver and try to. I mean, it's a cool hole. I think it kind of brings it back to what it probably was, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, guys hit driver there every time, you know, there was never, no one ever hit three wood there in the past. And really they didn't hit three wood there until, until tiger started, you know, mashing the ball in the late nineties. So, yeah. Um, I think it's kind of cool. I mean, they're going to be kind of hitting it in the same spot with hit by hitting driver or kind of maybe not quite as far up. You're going to see less guys hit it through the fairway in the trees. I feel like. And you may see more guys hit it left in the in the the creek. Off well, the I, I like having driver in the hands of these guys more often. I mean, I think if you're hitting a fairy wood or an iron off of a par four, it should be a full layup situation. Something to where you know it may have been a drivable par four, but you're laying up to a yardage um, and hitting you know something in there more controlled to try and make your birdie that way. I don't love someone laying up to hit a mid mid or a long iron into a par four. I think you should be able to absolutely just go ahead and bash driver down there and hit whatever you should hit. I mean, I, I just think that's the design of that hole. It's, it's a driver hole. It's always meant to have been a driver hole. And I think ultimately this is getting it back to that yeah. and making it from a competition standpoint, a driver hole for the masters. And for me, I, I support that. Yeah, I think it'll be good. It'll be interesting to watch, see how guys play it, and see. You know, I'm curious. I'm sure you'll you'll definitely see the stroke average on that hole after the tournament's over versus, you know, this last year or previous years. So that's interesting. Some other news in and around Augusta. All kinds of rumors. A large parcel of land may or may not have been bought by someone. That someone may or may not. Either be the first rumor was it was bought by Liv, and they're having Core Crenshaw and North Augusta build a golf course to host a rival tournament the week before, the week after the Masters. Well, it comes out Core and Crenshaw vehemently denied it. They said they were loosely brought up um, about doing a project in that area. They pretty much gave them the Heisman immediately because they're just so booked. They're already booked out for the next four years with core Crenshaw that core Crenshaw said they, they, no one mentioned live to them. Then there was a rumor came out. It was actually Augusta that bought all this land and they want to have player housing and a female event there. So 
I don't know what the hell's going on. Then someone's saying, I heard today, I, I don't think any land's been bought. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the one the one screenshot that's been going around about the parcel of land, someone said it was 450 acres. And they said if it was the, the circled area, that's like a thousand acres. So I don't know. Just internet, Twitter rumors is interesting to see what's going on there. No real news, just something entertaining to follow. Well, I look so. forward to bringing you updates from the Masters. I will be doing a live from the Masters on Friday. Not really, but. Oh, we're it, I'm going to live stream it on Instagram. Sure. Good luck. I'm, I'm uncertain with your pushback on this. I, you I can't really bring am. your cell phone in. I'm not going to do it inside the ropes. I'm gonna oh, do it oh. My, from wherever Hold on, I am. Wait, what? Like, wait, you're going to Augusta? This week, my wife. No, no actually, for the Masters. Yeah, no, yeah, for the Masters. My wife smoked it, so for Christmas I got two Friday. Oh, oh that's right, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. I thought you were saying this week you're going to do it live from Augusta this week. I missed that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm. Doing yes, it your your wife hooked it up with some Friday. great yeah. great tickets yeah. for the for the for the tournament. Yeah, she got me a houseboat on the water under the bridge. That's so awesome. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna That's be where you I, just, I may just bridge. show up. I may just show up and hang out on the houseboat. I won't go obviously into, go. into the tournament, but let's go. I can't I mean, go. I'll sleep, I'll sleep outside on like a little cot I can, on the houseboat. We I can get in got a dock out back the whole night. It'll be a it'll be a, a good time. We'll be happy. Mike, can you bring like you can't bring like one? You it's only you, right? Only me. I can get in free with my PGA card. But and you need it any day, or is it just practice rounds? No, nope, any day. I can show up every day and get a ticket. <laughs> That's right so now, great. You could get you could get a hotel in possibly Irmo, outside of Columbia <laughs> would be the closest hotel. That's where I, I was, always stay. I like, every time I go, when I open this and I'm like, hold on, you have us accommodations in fucking Augusta during Masters Week. I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. I always stay in columbia it's an hour away but it's like it's, it's way cheaper reasonable it's the only reason it's like a third of the price yeah yeah i mean they got like red roof in and augusta going for like 350 a night it's like it's yeah, stupid it's people all, are looking yeah, for any go, bed go stay at the partridge in for you know it's, it's like a hundred dollars a night out of season like 1100 a night in <laughs> master's week and when you say out of season you mean <laughs> 51 July. weeks a year. July in Augusta. Yeah, 51 <laughs> weeks a year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that'll be fun. We look forward to your report and your experience there. Uh, last thing, real fast before we get to um, our picks for the Phoenix Open. Did you see this whole Swilkin Bridge thing with St. Andrews? What are they doing? Why would you touch that? That that to me was so baffling. I'm sitting there looking at that, and I'm just sitting there going, "Why would you ever touch that?" So, for those of you who didn't hear this story, Saint someone was at Saint Andrews the other day and took a picture. They had basically tried to replicate the Swilkin Bridge on 18 that everyone knows. It gets really worn. They can't grow grass right in front of it. It turns into mud and dirt, and because. All the locals come and everyone that's in town goes to this Wilkin Bridge and takes pictures. So they've got hundreds of thousands of people a year going on this bridge. And so they decided to continue the stone. 
They try to kind of match the stone and they made like a a cul-de-sac. A pad. It's a pad. A pad, a patio, a circular area right in front of it so that people can use that to walk on to stand there while they're waiting to get their picture or whatever. And it was just big and gaudy and it just looks awful on this historical centuries old bridge from bridge. hundreds and it, it's just, and so all of a sudden the picture's going around and then St. Andrews had to like issue a statement and they just got so killed on social media and Twitter that today they have come out and said, we're yeah, moving. sorry, we were, we're going to take it down and we're going to try to find another solution. So we're going to tear it apart. It so was just bad. entertaining. It was so bad with the amounts that they charge sodded every couple of days. Yeah. Just yeah. sod it every couple of days. You're, you're, I mean, you can find some like they more natural, natural looking stuff they, to put there. Look, they don't struggle for tea times. They don't struggle to get the going rate of which I can only imagine is somewhere around five hundred a note. And then you're looking at you know two grand a time with a sold out tea sheet every day. Donate to a tea time and a half. And just sod that whole area every week. Just just <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Take the L. Preserve the history. Let's just go Stop with the No, that would look that would look awful. That doesn't look the history I'm at all. Joking. Come on, Jay. No, but there are some things that you can do. Like they make these pads and they have these like rubber, like there's rubber that has holes in it, but grass will grow up through it. Like already, if you look at some of the pictures, they've already tried that. I don't really know. Yeah, and I don't know if they need to well, just do that again because that that actually looks it. the best. Like you can't really see it, but you can tell there's grass there, and it's just not mud. At least, come on, but that that would that's probably money. your best bet. Sod it every two weeks. Sod it every two weeks. <laughs> be done with it. Just be. I done mean, with it. I you know I get it. I get it. That's fair. I mean, you're preserving one of the most historical spots in the game of golf, in the history of golf. Sod it, be done with it. Doesn't cost that much when in the grand scheme of things with what they bring in in revenue per day. I mean, literally, it's somewhere around two grand a tea time when they sell the tea sheet out every day. I mean, people sleep outside to get an early tea time there <laughs> and they tee off until the sun goes down. I mean, literally, people just walk off the golf course because they have to stop playing. It's not like they're lacking traffic. And no, at the end of the day, was it five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars in sod once every two weeks is a fraction. A, a oh, that's not even that much sod. No. That's what I'm saying. It's less than one tea time. You're sacrificing one tea time a day to preserve one of the most historic spots in golf. You get sod it for two hundred bucks, probably. I'm not a sod expert, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> Neither am I, but it's probably pretty cheap, anyways. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, what? Even if it was five hundred. That's one tea what, time. What they did was not the answer. That it was atrocious, absolutely <laughs> atrocious. It spray farted on the history of golf. Some of the memes out there were great. With like they put like a fire pit and people barbecuing around it, and I saw one person they put like a, a hot tub on it, and oh, the Swolken patio. So. Um, and then real fast again, this wasn't on the agenda, but I cannot wait. Did you guys see the trailer for the Netflix show? Full swing. I haven't seen the that full, yet. the full two minute trailer. Good. Oh God. It looks so good. 
I was Had so jacked. Watched the uh, the tennis one they came out with in January, which it's funny because it just felt like they had to get it out before the golf one because the golf one was going to be cannibalized. So yeah. Have you guys seen Breakpoint yet? I haven't. It's five episodes. I highly recommend it. Highly recommend okay. it. I'm a tennis fan anyway, but I highly recommend it. And it makes you giddy for what we're going to see with the golf one because it gives you that insight and kind of what they're doing. And we all know how it's what the kind of structure is based off of drive to survive. And then this is obviously kind of the same, that same kind of uh, format or technique, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's fantastic. I I'm personally a tennis fan. So I, I kind of got into it, got some insights and kind of reignited my fanhood. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. I haven't seen the trailer yet, but I'm am, I'm am absolutely pumped for this uh, documentary. Yeah, do yourself a favor and watch the trailer. It's uh, it's pretty money. What, what's it called again? What's the name? Full swing. If I go on mute for two minutes, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we want to get to the Phoenix Open. Unbelievable field. Let's do it. I know. I was, McLean, I was... you can keep watching the uh, trailer. I got to make my picks now. We we made it into this segment. Now I got to. Oh, uh, okay. Um, this normally actually, and it, you know, as a word to our viewership of how I got here, it looks like it's going to be a very short lived, but since I'm still on the podium, I want to go ahead and give my two. So I you normally want make my picks quickly with common sense and I stick to it. A lot of people I understand will look through, they keep going back through, keep going back through, they make changes, make changes, make changes. I don't know if that's a successful route because I've never done it, but I will say <laughs> stick to your guns, go in hot and heavy and just stick to your guns. Look, so look, here I just pulled it up. Here's how bad it's gotten for a long time. I was living off of you guys' money. Uh, I'm getting ready to have to make my first deposit <laughs> on DraftKings in like eight months. Well, you're, you're getting, we're nipping at your heels. So McLean came in last. This week at the AT&T Pebble Beach, as we said earlier, J1, basically Justin Rose nipped me in the butt and the season long race. Now, McLean is at 45 points. Jay is at 40 and I'm at 39. So it's close, Matt. It's getting it's getting close. It's getting close. We're we're closing the gap here on McLean. This may also be a good place leading up to this week. Look, this may be a good time to introduce the fact of maybe putting in more thought to your picks. (laughs) I don't know. You had a huge lead, and Jay, you and I have been just kind of like bouncing one point ahead of each other and then back and forth for a while now. So um, but yeah, I actually I still have one open spot on my roster. I'm ready if you guys would like for one of my top place. guys that I can't. There's like four guys I'm looking at, and I can't decide which one I want to go with. So go ahead. All right, I'll do it. Um, we talked about um, the Georgia boys earlier. I've got three of them in my in my lineup this week. <laughs> Um, I, I kind of I've got two kind of heavy hitters, and I've got uh, four kind of mid tier guys that I think will play well here. Um, so, kind of give a backstory of where where I'm going with this golf tournament. This 
the course isn't that long comparatively speaking to the other uh, other golf courses but the greens are flatter so to speak than most golf courses uh they're tiff eagle i think i'm pretty sure they're tiff eagle base but they're they're overseeded with uh trivialis bow um but they're usually really firm and fast and i think the stat that i read is 89% of putts are made from 10 feet in here which is like 15% higher from 10 feet in on any other golf course and any tour event that they play. So the greens are just really, really good, really true. So, you know, I kind of have gone back and forth with this. I feel like that is a, an advantage for a, for guys who are not great putters. Cause I feel like they, they putt well uh, when the greens are really good, they're going to, they're going to putt well, but i still think it's, it's, if you're a good putter, you're going to putt good on on good surfaces, regardless. Um, but anyway, just to give you a little backstory on kind of where I was going with my picks, um, I've, I kind of go with course history, how these guys have played on this golf course in the past, and then how they're how they're playing their current form. So I'll kind of start at the bottom. JT Poston, um, he played well uh, his last event in the American Express, but the three tournaments prior to that. 321, 321, 21st place finishes, I should say. Sorry. Um, so he's got four top 25s. Again, really good ball striker. He's a great putter. Um, you know, and at, at that price range, I think that's a that's a good spot. Chris Kirk coming off of some really good tournament uh, tournament finishes the last two weeks. Third, third place, third place. Um, you know, playing some playing some really good golf. Although, what how did he play last week? Did he even he didn't play last week? Did he? Kirk, I don't think he was in the field. Yeah, he didn't play last week. So the two prior, he finished two third place. Had two third place finishes. Again, not an overly long golf course, but if you drive the ball well, good iron player. Obviously, you don't have to hit it super long. But if you're good, um, a, a good putter, you're going and which he is, and you're gonna you're gonna find your way in the mix. And for us, we're trying to find if we can get six guys to make the cut, and if you somehow can pick the winner. Obviously, you've got a leg up, but if you've got six guys that make the cut, you're you're giving yourself a good shot. Um, so then uh, I jump up to Brian Harmon again, another guy who has had he didn't play well uh, in his last event at the American Express, but prior to that, he was playing some really really good golf. Um, I mean, you know, a couple top five finishes, a couple top twenty five finishes. So I'm hoping that American Express finish, uh, which he did play well, other than one bad round. He played poorly in the very first round, shot 79. So I'm hoping that uh, with some perfect greens, uh, he'll play well. He's played well here in the past. Um, then uh, Mr. Keith Mitchell, uh, which we've talked quite a bit about tonight. He's yeah, coming I almost off picked really, him this week, too. Really great finish. You know, and Colton Nose even said it during the coverage. Like, this guy's playing with a ton of confidence right now. Like he's just swinging the ball, swinging the club really well. He's putting it well, um, and it just wouldn't surprise me if he just kind of rolls this over uh, into this into this week, and he could feed off the energy uh, that he's going to get uh, at the waste management. Um, then I bump up to a lot of a lot of mid tier guys, like all four of those guys I mentioned, seventy three hundred and seventy four hundred, all four of those guys. Uh, and then I jump up to my two heavy hitters, Colin Morikawa. Um, in the last three tournaments has played some really good, solid golf still hasn't, hasn't gotten the W. Um, and I say W because that's the way I say it. Um, but he's been playing some good golf, third place finish at the farmer, second place finish at the century and then six at the hero. We all know that he, 
had the lead there in the last couple and just couldn't get it done. But playing really good golf, dominating with his iron play again. And again, in my opinion, a really, really good greens for a really good ball striker. He doesn't have to be a great putter if they're that good. The greens are that good. Um, he's going to make more putts than he normally does, and he's going to hit it closer than most guys. I have a feeling he's going to he's going to play well. And I, I was I kind of went back and forth with this last pick at uh, ten thousand eight hundred. I there's a reason that wow. Roy doesn't there's a reason that Roy doesn't come here. Uh, I know he played here. Uh, was it two years ago? Uh, I think in twenty twenty one he was here and he played. What did he finish? He finished thirteenth. So. I mean, he played okay. He played good. I mean, okay by his standards. But there's a reason that he doesn't come here. He obviously doesn't like this golf course, but as we mentioned, this is an elevated event. So he's making an attempt to play in some of these these tournaments he doesn't play in. But my doubt in his him liking this golf course is overweighed by just how well he's playing right now. He's just playing so damn good. I just – I got to put him in there. So – um, I'm going with Rory. I was going back and forth between Rom and Rory. Um, <clears throat> so Rom, Rom's hard to look against this week too, but just a lot of yeah, money. Rom, Rom's a good pick. Rom's a good pick. He's he's an Arizona guy. He's yeah, played golf course a bunch. I don't think he likes it though. I, I don't I think he likes honest. it either. I don't think he likes it. it I've I mean, played this he's golf never, course. It's a, it's he's never won facility. here. It, Rom's never finished outside of the top sixteen, but he's also never finished a uh, higher than ninth. So. Again, I don't know if he loves the golf course, but he always plays well here. So it's just a matter of between those two yeah. guys, like who who finishes just a little bit higher. I mean, it's it's a coin flip. Um, so again, I'm just going with with Rom playing, kind of giving some giving some shots back in his last event, uh, and Rory coming off of a win. You know, I'm I'm going to give Rory the edge. Um, like but that. anyway. That oh, that's yeah. it, that's who I'm going with. So we'll see how that all that all pans out. But four kind of mid tier guys that I, I'm hoping can make the cut and make a make a little run, and then you know between the two heavy hitters, maybe one of those guys can pull out the W, and and uh, that'd be a, that'd be a good good lineup there. I like cool. that. All right. So I I like where it heads at Jay. You and I share two of the same players. I also have Keith Mitchell and Brian Harmon. Nice. At the same time, I'm going to break down the rest of my my group here real quick. Okay, Mr. Wyndham Clark, 7,200, plays a lot of golf in Scottsdale. Uh, guy has been playing pretty well. Uh, I'm I'm looking for him to hopefully get it done. Um, Sahith Thigala played well here last Sahith, year. Sahith, I just I, I I really like the way this guy's game is trending. I mean, he's been playing some great golf. He's starting to try to cement himself as a uh, a casual normal on the PGA Tour, which is hard to do. But he's starting to make a household name for himself, and you know, I expect him to play well here as well. He kind of the guy just really kind of plays well all over. He he's not someone that so far we've seen is limited to a certain style of golf course. He seems like he he just kind of goes out and just kind of gets it done and scores. Um. Yeah. Moving up from that, I have a guy. I just think the guy is going to get into the vibe of this week. He's going to have fun with it. He's going to have the crowd behind him. Hey, Mr. Tom Kim at 9,100. Good pick. And then rounding out my squad, one of the top players in the world. Oh, gosh. Justin <laughs> Thomas. Justin <laughs> Thomas. 
Justin Thomas may miss the cut. Hey, I'm just going to throw that I out left, there. I left 600 on the table. No, this is, I've played this golf course. It's kind of a shot maker's golf course to a certain extent. It's not the longest golf course in the world, but you got to kind of think your way around it a little bit. And Justin has all of those shots. He works the ball as good as anyone out there does. Um, but he's also someone that I think kind of gets into the vibe of this week. He's also someone that I think kind of has fun with a little bit of debauchery. Uh, I, I, I'm, I will I'm give kinda, you that. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of leaning on him to get back in there, cement himself. He, I think he'll have some fun. I think he's going to play well. I think Tom Kim's going to do the same thing. Tom Kim's the sneaky dark horse is going to come from behind that. Not to say that no one's looking at him because he's had such a great last few months. Um, but at the same time, I think he just, he just kind of just, just sneak in there in a, in a, in a field that is probably the most stacked that we've seen thus far in the 2023 season. Yeah, it's 23 of the top 25 or 24 of the top 25 in the it's world. A, it's playing. a big field, a big field. So, again, being that elevated event, they pretty much all have to play it, which is good for us, the fans. So, all right. my uh, I'll start at the bottom as well. This is a flyer. I needed a flyer. I had some likes at the top of the board, and so I, I normally pick bottom of the board first and then adjust and go from there. But So I had to pick a flyer. $6,700. I figured what better person to take than Mr. Callum Taron, friend of the pod. All right. Um, Go for it. Well, we'll see. I just need to make the cut. It's all I need from Callum. Just make the cut for me because the rest That's of my squad's, the rest of the squad's <laughs> going to ball out here. So then I go up to Mr. JT Poston at 73. I like that pick. He is in the top 10. Strokes gained at this golf course over the last five years. So give me him. Then I'm going to go up to $7,600. Alex Noren, also in the top 10 strokes gained at TPC Scottsdale over the last five years and has been playing just some solid golf worldwide over the last year or so. Then I go up to my three horses, 9,100. Mr. Tom Kim, for the reasons that McLean stated then i go up number 90 uh, $9200 J m great deal the guy is just steady solid played well in all types of golf courses and doesn't seem to every enemy to ever be phased by anything played well at the farmers 2 weeks ago i like him and then this last spot i was bouncing around through do i go tony finau he's played well here Max Homa has played well here, lives in Arizona. I thought about JT. JT actually leads that stat I was giving you, strokes gained at Phoenix the last five years. But I end up settling on Mr. Xander Shoffley. Xander. At $10,000. He is second strokes gained total last five years at Phoenix uh, hasn't never finished, finished out, never finished outside of the top 17 third yeah. last year second the year before 16th 10th 17th he's he he plays this golf course really well I told you he would win a few weeks ago and he didn't I think he gets it done I was just early on him I was a couple of weeks early on him he wins this week Xander Shoffley finally gets like a real big dick win he, yeah, he needs one. He hasn't had one anything in a while. I mean, so, but yeah, there yeah. it is. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, fun week with um, 
obviously the venue, the craziness, the party, but then when you also get it, the top 25 players in the world there, it's going to... And so many of the good guys play well there. JT, Xander, Rom, you know, Homa, Finau, they all have some good course history. Not only a lot of those guys playing well too, but... And then you add Rory into the mix, first time in the States in a while. It's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a show. That's for sure. I like it. So, all right, gents, you guys got anything else? No, it should be a fun, should be a fun week. I'm excited to watch this event. I was here last year. You know, we, we talked about that last year for my brother's uh, bachelor party. We were on the, on the box there and, you know, courtesy of Mr. Danny Ellis, friend of the pod, and we watched Sam Ryder make the hole in one on Saturday, and it was chaos. And uh, it was one of the most memorable events I've ever been to on the golf course that I wasn't playing. Um, and uh, I'm excited to kind of see that energy again and bring back some good memories. So it should be a fun week. I'm gonna be I'm gonna watch quite a bit of the golf this week. It should be fun. Yep, I will be tuned in a whole bunch. And as I'm watching Peter Malnati just skank another one up to the green with like a pitching wedge, <laughs> Peter. So, um, without further ado, that's it. We appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. This will be out tomorrow morning at some point, and we hope you guys enjoy the Phoenix Open. Take care. Cheers. Later. Cheers.